It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for downloading this show and making us part of your daily routine. Yes, we are back to being part of your daily routine, listening to us in the car, at lunch, on the way home, at the gym, however it is that you're listening to us, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much. If you are not a subscriber... Please, if go and search Locked On Celtics and uh, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe to us. If there's a rating system, rate us. Five stars would be fantastic. We would love it. And when I say we, I mean we, the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, that's me, Jay King, back. That, that's that's me. you. How you feeling, Jay King? I'm feeling great, man. Just... Just, just feeling lovely. So my my parents came to visit this weekend. Nice in Boston. We we had some nice time. Went to a nice little restaurant. They paid, which was always awesome. That's always great. Yep, and that's about it, man. I, I'm ready for the the Celtics to start up. It's only two weeks now. Two weeks until the first preseason game. One week, one week until media day. So they're they're starting to gear up a little bit. You know, it's funny. We sit here and we say, oh, God, September, August and September shows. And we, we trudge through it. And then you say a week from media day. And I feel like saying, already? Media day's already here? <laughs> like, it kind of sneaks up on you still. So what we're doing across the network, the Locked On Network, uh, we're all doing the same shows this week. We're doing a breakdown position by position. Yesterday, Jam Packard and I broke down the point guard position. There's going to be a little bit of overlap because of this uh, positional versatility that is going to carry into the shooting guard conversation. And I, I will like, say, by the way, Marcus Smart will be in like every position. Yeah, yes, he <laughs> like will even be. In, even in power four, we'll be we'll have to throw out like, oh yeah, and like. Sometimes when they play Paul Millsap, centers will be like, yeah, that guy Porzingis, you know, maybe they'll throw Marcus out there. Yeah, he's just yep. everywhere. He, he will be everywhere. You know who won't be everywhere in this conversation? Uh, Avery me and you. Bradley. Me also and you. Avery Bradley. Because I just want to let people know we got together and shot around. Oh, man. Don't tell them this. It this was, was, it was brutal. I'm going to blame the ball, which was provided by Adam Himmelsbach. That's John, that's John's that's what I'm going. Shot missed by about seven feet. <laughs> let's let's not exaggerate. It was more like three and a half. <laughs> it, was, it was it was a wind aided miss. It was so gross. The rim. You, you you stepped it up a little bit after that. Sh- showed the touch a little bit after that. But <laughs> a little bit. A little that bit. First one was gross. I will I will say this that first of all I'm way past my shooting prime. Second of all, Himmelsbach can stroke it if he gets rolling. 
You do not want to get behind him in any kind of shooting contest. I just yes. want to throw that out there. And it was not our days, though. And then no. it didn't. It didn't help that we we decided to think we were young again and went to shooting drills that we used to do, <laughs> <laughs> like eighteen and nineteen in the in the peak of our athletic lives. I will never accept my true age. I will always try to live and act at least ten to fifteen years younger than I really am. So, see, I'm the other way around. I feel like I'm just like twenty years older than I actually am. Well, like we can 29. switch places. That's fine with me. Uh, I fully admit that I'm very immature when it comes to that stuff. But uh, all right, let's get to the actual basketball, real basketball, and not what was on display this past week in uh, the south end of Boston. <laughs> the Celtics shooting guard situation, which starts with obviously Avery Bradley. And we never talk about Avery Bradley. Like, how often have we mentioned Avery Bradley other than to say, if we had to trade somebody in our backcourt, it'd be Avery Bradley. Uh, we, I mean, we definitely talked about him when he was named to the first team all defense. Okay. We, we don't talk about him enough, though. And that's because he's like the Brandon Bass now. Like, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. You're going to get threes. You're going to get mid-range jumpers. You're going to get an occasional pocket pass that will cause everyone to go, ooh, Avery Bradley has really stepped up his, his passing this year. And that's so get, true. You'll get <laughs> you'll get a whole lot of defense. <laughs> the occasional Avery Bradley pocket pass. I feel like that would be some kind of great blog name. Bradleypocketpass.com or something like that. Like some <laughs> random I'm gonna I'm gonna sign that up just in case the Reds Army thing doesn't work out. But yeah, we should we yeah, should patent that. Avery Bradley is kind of Mr. Dependable in a lot of ways. You do know, and and this is part of why we always say if we had to give up a member of the, the backcourt, he'd be the guy because I feel like we, we get what we get from him somewhere between 14 and 15 points a game. You know, not much on the assists, a couple of assists, not much on the rebounding, but you, you got that defense. You got that first team all defense. You got some three point shooting ability and a guy that can get super hot. I think he's got. He might be the best first quarter scorer in the NBA, but that's Avery Bradley. That's what he is. He's he's a defensive guy first who can get hot and and hit some shots and be a threat from three. But I guess go ahead. I will say this: watching Avery Bradley play defense is one of the more entertaining things about the Celtics. And obviously, they have a lot of guys like that: Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, but Avery Bradley, like. There are very few, there are hardly anyone in the NBA who can actually cut off a, a ball handler. Like like point guards, you don't really cut them off. It's not like high school where you can just turn guys left and right. He does that all the time. And he just, it's he's the quickest dude I've ever seen. Like his reflexes must just be stupid. And so, yeah, I, I just, that was my ode to Avery Bradley's defense. I really enjoy watching him t- turn people from one side to the next, from one hand to the other, and he's just always in people's shorts. He's fun to watch. He really is. He really is. And that's that's something a basketball purist, or should I say basketball nerd, like you and I would would sit there and say, it's not something that gets onto the highlights a lot, but he is the guy that gets other point guards and other guards to say, yo, man, back up a little bit. Just calm down. Let, Let me at least get to half court 
because he is tremendous. He and, and I think he has an outside chance at getting that defensive player of the year. So I guess my question for you, like what what do you I don't agree there. What do you think? Do you do you think he has any shot at all? No. No. No no shot there. And, and I say that only because Kawhi Leonard's won it two years in a row. He's unbelievable. Draymond Green is going to be the best defender on maybe the best team of all time. So he'll be up there as always. And Bradley, as good as he is, like those guys are just they're they're more versatile. Like he he mostly guards ones and twos, mm-hmm. and occasionally like he'll he'll block Gordon Hayward's shot at the buzzer. But but normally he's just like I, I don't think he's versatile enough. I don't think he does everything those guys do. If if you want one guy to shadow a point guard around the the perimeter, whether he's dribbling on the ball or off the ball, you want Avery Bradley. He is fantastic at that. But I think I think Leonard and, and Green and just do more for their teams. And and obviously historically, like defensive player of the year has gone to guys who block a lot of shots. True. And Avery Bradley doesn't do that. So I'd be stunned, stunned, stunned if he ever wins Defensive Player of the Year. I, I don't think he's going to win. But I will say that I think he's got an outside chance. And just bringing up the two names that you got there, here, here's why I think he might have an outside chance. And it has more to do with the voter psychology than on-court performance. And, and, and you know, you know how it goes. It's just like a guy winning MVP over another guy who deserves it more. You know, I think Bradley is in a position where, okay, Kawhi Leonard, let's say, who's obviously an amazing defensive player, but Tim Duncan's gone. And without Tim Duncan in the back, kind of quarterbacking that defense and calling things out with Pau Gasol back there, there's a drop off. And when you have, a, a full-scale defensive drop-off like I expect San Antonio to have, then even though Kawhi Leonard might be doing the same things, you're going to look at the team's defensive rankings, and I think they're going to slip a bit. So voters might look at that and say, oh, San Antonio's defense is not as good as it used to be. I can't rightfully vote for Kawhi Leonard. Now, go to, to Golden State, they're going to be potentially the greatest team of all time. Here's a team that if they won 80 games, we might not even be surprised. So, but because of that, maybe Draymond is overshadowed by this amazing offense and maybe the uh, fatigue that goes into the the, the Warriors fatigue. I think people are going to kind of get a little sick of like the Warriors are obviously awesome. They're scoring 120 points a game. I'm not going to reward a Golden State Warrior for his defense on a team with that many offensive options. That's why I think maybe Avery Bradley can sneak in there and get some votes. If the Celtics defense is, if they take a step forward and they become uh, I don't know if they could be the number one defense, but they could be a t- you know two, three, four ranked defense. If they win fifty some odd games and they've got a top five defense, and Avery Bradley is getting steals and and breakaways, maybe, maybe, maybe he gets in the mix. Maybe he'll get third place in Defensive Player of the Year voting. I, I think that's 
I think he'll get into that mix. And maybe if there's enough protest and enough of the other stuff, maybe he gets the actual defensive player of the year. I just don't buy it, man. I, I think Horford <laughs> I think Horford will finish higher than he does. Oh, interesting. Yep. Interesting. There you go. I think there's a wager involved here. Do you wanna do you wanna actually make a wager on this? Do you think do you actually think Al Horford right now will get higher in the defensive player of the year than Avery Bradley? Yes, I do. That is a fact. I I will disagree. And we have time to figure out what the wager will be. We don't have to do that now. Maybe we'll, we'll put it out to it Twitter. Out the show. Oh, we can put it out to Twitter. Too. We'll put it out to Twitter. We'll put it out to Twitter right now. If you think, whatever it is, it doesn't even matter what you think. What should the loser do? It shouldn't have, be any money. No money. You have to buy a Mark Blount jersey and wear it. Oh. <laughs> wear it to the gym every time you go to the gym for... Two weeks. <laughs> oh, that'd be brutal. That would be brutal. What would There's be the equivalent of that for everywhere? Oh, I couldn't do it. Oh, God, please don't make me do that. <laughs> oh, shit. No. All right. What, what would be... Oh, God. How about something... Like, you would have to watch the first three seasons of The Simpsons. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Something. <laughs> something like that. We'll put it out to Twitter. You guys know we'll us both very well enough. You know me. You know you know Jay. If you don't, it's at by Jay King and at Red's Army underscore John. Tweet us what you think the bet should be, and we'll we'll put it out on Twitter too. Okay. Let's move on from Avery Bradley because Avery Bradley's gonna get what he gets somewhere in the 32, 33 minutes. We know what he's going to be, and it would be nice if he can improve the three-point shooting. Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, he's improved his three-point shooting, not necessarily the percentage, but the number of threes he takes every year. Do you think he can do that again? Like last year, 40% of his shots were three-pointers. and I would love for him to eliminate the long two. Jesus Christ, I would really love for him to eliminate the long two. That is the most frustrating shot on the Celtics at this point. Um, now that Sellinger is gone, the Avery Bradley half a foot over the line jumper is just, he's gotten a lot better at that. Uh, I think that if you look at his numbers from last year, and actually you go over the past three years. So he took uh, a couple of years ago, in the 13-14 season, he took 3.33s per game and 10.42s per game. The year after that, 4.63s per game and 8.62s per game. And then last season, 5.43s and 8.12s. So overall... That, that's going to be confusing when you're listening to it. Here's, here, here's how it all breaks down. It's still about 13 or 14 shots per game, okay? His field goal attempts were pretty equal, 13.8, 13.1, 13.4. So his field goal attempts stayed about the same. But each of the past three years, his three-pointers went up by about one per game, and his twos went down each of the last three years. And and especially the long twos have gone down, which which is huge because 
those are the the really inefficient ones. And even though he's really good at them, they're not good shots because they're just really tough. A, B, you can't get fouled on them very often unless you're like Dirk Nowitzki or someone. And C, they're not worth three points. So right, if you're gonna be at a, a half a foot or a foot inside the line, you might as well just take a step backwards for a foot and 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 get that extra point if you're going to make the shot. So I think I think that he'll continue to improve in that regard or at least stay level. I don't want him taking more than f- he's five and a half threes per game. I don't know if I want him taking more than that. I think if he gets 13, maybe he can get 15 shots a game, so maybe a couple more, but that could easily be a couple more layups. So I, I don't know if I want him taking a ton more threes, but I, who knows? You know, with, with the way the, the team is shaking out and Horford and, and Isaiah Thomas working that pick and roll, maybe he does just kind of hang out there and, and just kind of shift into the corner and take threes from there. Maybe that's just where he lives. But I think he can really make a living again a lot more in those. Remember when he used to be Mr. Backdoor Cut? I think he can really do that a lot more now with the spacing the way it is. Once Isaiah Thomas gets into the lane and everybody's head is turned, that he can do things like cut back door, uh, especially from the opposite side. So if Isaiah Thomas is driving left and everybody's just kind of staring, he can cut from the opposite side and be there for a nice drop-down pass and, and get layups that way. So, but... I think I think his shot selection has gotten better. It might be able to improve a little bit. So, uh, but I, I think I like kind of where where he is. Yeah, I, I think his improvements in true shooting percentage last year were kind of underrated. Like he's he's always been a really inefficient scorer. This past year, he was about league average, which obviously it's not ideal, but that's that's huge for a guy who has been inefficient and for a guy who's first team all defense. Like if you can score the ball okay and do it at a high rate and do it reasonably efficiently and you're also first team all defense you're a really helpful player and obviously like when they when he he was out against the Hawks I think the Celtics missed his offense more than his defense which sounds crazy but but he was that necessary for their spacing and in in a perfect world they won't be that reliant on his offense again and and he won't be such a critical part because they'll have other guys who can knock down shots but but for now, I think his shooting is is really really important to their team. No, I agree. I, I get what you're saying because it's more the threat, and it goes back to that whole thing about being the threat out there, just drawing a guy away from the lane enough where Isaiah Thomas can get by, and or making somebody pay if you're going to blitz Isaiah Thomas off the pick and roll, having a guy there that can make the team pay for that strategy. Avery Bradley can do that. He absolutely could do that. And not having that guy there for this team, even now, because we're going to get into this now, the backups, we're not sure exactly how the backup thing is going to work. What happens after Avery Bradley gets off the floor? So, yeah, Avery Bradley is very important to the Celtics offense, even if it's just from being a threat. Now, what happens at the 10-minute mark of the first quarter or to start the second quarter? We talked a little bit about last night, Marcus Smart 
what what role does Marcus Smart have in this? He's going to get some minutes at the two, and it almost feels weird breaking things down from point guard to shooting guard because especially with the Celtics, you want Isaiah Thomas playing off the ball. Isaiah Thomas is going to get minutes at the two off the ball. Marcus Smart is going to get minutes at the two off the ball. So, and Terry Rozier may well not be bringing the ball up. So it's kind of interesting to see how that mix will happen at, you know, when, when the bench comes in. Yeah, and one thing that kind of hasn't been discussed a lot about the Celtics bench is they'll have a lot of guys either playing roles for the first time or, in Marcus Smart's case, taking on a, a different role. So there, there's a lot of newness to the bench and, and a lot of a lot of things that, that probably haven't been figured out. I, I think the starting lineup is is very pretty much set, like with the exception of power forward. I think it's pretty safe to say that, that four of the guys are, are pretty obvious that, that they will be starters on opening night. But then you go to the bench and it's like, okay, well, who's the point guard? Who's the backup point guard? Is it Terry Rozier? Is it Marcus Smart? Which one plays off ball more often? Obviously, Marcus Smart's going to play a lot, and I think he'll play more than he did last year, which was 27.3 minutes per game. I think he'll take a few of Evan Turner's minutes. But where does he play? Does does he have to play the three because the Celtics don't have a lot of size? Is Jalen Brown ready? So there's like so many questions. And Marcus Smart, his ability to play so many positions, including shooting guard, just helps you so much. And he he, he was with Evan Turner in that last year, but now he's kind of alone. And, and Terry Rozier doesn't have as much positional versatility. Gerald Green is, is taller, but not quite as strong as, as you'd really like uh, out of a... a a guy who can guard bigger wings and he's not a good defender anyway. <laughs> so I think, I think Marcus smart, like depending on the matchup, he is going to have to guard a lot of different guys. And it's a good thing that he's such a beast, so, such a, <laughs> such a versatile guy because they're going to need it out of it. They don't have Evan Turner to be that like Swiss army knife anymore. It's, it's, it's a very new bench and, and not necessarily enough versatility unless Jalen Brown comes in and proves that he can handle multiple positions right away, which is a tough thing to ask of a 19-year-old rookie. So a lot is going to be on Marcus Smart's shoulders, man. Obviously, Rozier, another guy at the two, like he could, he could play a role. He could be a good player for them off the bench. We don't really know. Uh, Summer League was really promising. He, he, he finished. He hit threes. He did all the things you wanted him to improve on, but but what's he going to be? And what's Smart going to be if he has to play more point guard? And what what the hell is Jalen Brown going to be? And and can Gerald Gerald Green stop the slippage of his last two seasons? Can they sprinkle some Brad Stevens pixie dust on top of him? <laughs> he starts, starts flying all over the place for dunks and, and draining threes all over the place. So there's like there's so much going on with their bench. And I don't know how it's it's all going to figure out. Well, one of the questions that we they have obviously at shooting guard is who actually makes the team. Uh, right now, it looks like James Young and R.J. Hunter, two two shooting guards, small forwards, are in danger of being cut. And and that's crazy to say about guys who were drafted in the first round uh, a couple of years ago in in Young's case, and one year ago in R.J. Hunter's case. But it's it's possible that that one of those guys will not be around come opening night. It's probable that at, at least one of those guys will not be around on opening night. 
Well, it's probable that James Young will not be around an opening night. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, that that's kind of crazy. We have we know w- with Brad Stevens, he's going to go small, he's going to go big. So you have the opportunity to throw a big lineup out there with Gerald Green at the shooting guard at some points because you can go out there with Isaiah Thomas and Gerald Green and Jay Crowder, Horford and, you know, Olenek and 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 play big or maybe you put uh Amir Johnson out there and you you play big with, with that kind of I love how we're talking about shooting guards and we're like just going about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> but the shooting guard is is part of this whole thing. So in that case, Gerald Green would get minutes at the shooting guard. If you want to go big, if you want to go small, well, your small lineup includes Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley in the backcourt, and however the the front court shakes out. So, so who handles the ball? I mean, at that in that case, it could be Marcus, it could be Isaiah. I still will not trust Avery Bradley to handle the ball much, but whatever. Uh, so, who gets those minutes? It, it, it's still up for how the rotation shakes out as far as matchups. But the Hunter Young thing is really. Really going to be interesting because I think there's an opportunity here for Hunter, especially to seize some minutes as a shooter in certain situations. Uh, I don't. I don't think Young. I, I've written off James Young. I, and maybe that's the all he needs to become our next superstar. But <laughs> superstar, superstar. Well, I mean, I've written him off, so clearly he's he's due for something huge. But yeah, I mean, he could be due for like the the John Corrales boost that Evan Turner got last year. That's right, which means Portland's going to give him seventy one million dollars in in a year or two. <laughs> so, but I, I think look, I know I know what RJ Hunter is so far after one year. I hope he makes the team because I think he can really grow into that role. I really think to to get a shooter off the bench. That hunt that I think Hunter can be. I don't know. I, I just I just like that idea. I like the idea of RJ Hunter with with some space to get a shot off. I, I think I think he can really help the team. But I don't know. I could be way off on that. That that's one problem. And, and obvi- obviously, having a lot of draft picks is good, and you get more chances. And you get better chances, and it's it's typically a good thing to have more draft picks and better odds of, of getting a, a great player. One one downfall of that is you have to make decisions on these guys really quickly, and we're seeing that with RJ Hunter. The Celtics, it's it's one year into his career, like they knew he was going to have to put on weight, they knew he was going to have to become more physical to succeed in the NBA. He did a decent job sometimes during his rookie season. I don't think he really looked overmatched. Like he, he used his length to make some defensive plays. If he had shot better, he, he would have had, you know, not the worst minutes. And now, now you have to make a decision on him in year two versus James Young, who's only had two years himself and is still just 20 years old. He can't even go, go across <laughs> the street from the garden to get a drink if he wanted to. So... 
it's that's that's one downfall. You don't get a chance to sit around and, and see if these guys can develop, if the switch will turn on for these guys. It's just like the switch better turn on right now, James, because otherwise you're gone. And and that's that's tough for the young guys, but maybe it maybe it's good. Maybe the competition will will spur one of them to to greater heights or who knows. It's it's definitely tough though for them because in a lot of other places you'd have time to to foster your talent and and develop your skills and you'd have opportunities but in Boston those just aren't available. Yeah, which which sucks for the player, but you know that's that's just how it goes. Maybe James Young can go into a different situation. He can go to a Philly or whatever and and find a, a little more room to grow. Maybe he'll. We've said it a million times. Situation matters. So this is just not the right situation for James Young. That's just how it is. And I hope it's a a better situation for Hunter, but he's clearly running out of time too because we've got all of these picks. And at some point, we're going to need to make room for Gershon Yabusele and other guys. I just like saying that name. I want to say it as often as I can. (laughs) But... We need to make room for guys that were like, hey, wow, this guy's going to be pretty good. Look at the dancing bear. We like watching the dancing bear. So he's a body. He he needs a spot. So Hunter is under a lot of pressure, and I hope he can respond to that pressure. He seems to like having that pressure on him. Uh, his recent comments after kind of hearing that he might be on the cusp of being cut he seemed to say, all right, fine, I accept that, let's go. And so we'll see. But yeah, you're right. The, the Celtics didn't draft him to say, we want an immediate impact, yet they're kind of pressured into saying, we didn't say we needed an immediate impact, but we could really use an immediate impact from you. So if you could really provide that for us right now, that'd be great. So good luck to RJ Hunter, I guess. But I, I think that the competition behind Avery Bradley is is wide open. And it's going to involve a lot of people that are already established. We we know that two guard minutes will go to Isaiah. He'll play off the ball. We know two guard minutes will go to Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's going to get minutes at every position. So we know that's going to happen. Rozier will will get some of those minutes on the floor off the ball, I assume. What so that from Gerald Green. Ha oh, man, I, I don't know what to expect from Gerald Green. Be- better question: Can Brad Stevens work his magic on Gerald Green? Um, I will say yes because I will not doubt the Brad Stevens magic at this point. He's he's worked wonders. He made he made Jordan Crawford not only a player of the week but somebody that you could get value for in a trade. And obviously, Evan Turner just got super rich off of him so i think uh yeah why not i think you get gerald green in there to kind of relax and and play his game so i i expect gerald green to be serviceable you know a league average three-point shooter type of guy so so yeah so i mean i don't know i i have no clue i haven't watched him enough Obviously, you you know what he does, and he shoots a lot of threes, and he he likes to shoot them even when he's contested. And but it, has he fallen off? Has his game fallen off enough that that he's just 
become a lesser player or can he tap into the player who a couple years ago averaged 15 points per game and shot 40% from the three-point arc? If he can do that, he's hugely helpful. They need another three-point shooter so badly. And Gerald Green could be a, a nice piece. But if he's not able to shoot better than league average from three and he's still taking bad shots and not playing much defense then I think they're probably better off going to giving those minutes to guys like Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, who might be able to use them better and are younger and developing. So we'll see what how Gerald Green fits into it. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what they get from him this year. Well, it, I don't know. He, he can be – he's only 30 years – well, he'll be 31. It's still not over the hill. He'll, he'll still be – young enough to go out there and play and, and play fairly well. Uh, and obviously he's super athletic and everything, but I'm, I'm just trying to look at his situation. Like, I don't know, was, was the Miami situation really what really good for him? I don't know how, how that worked for him mentally, you know, playing in that, in that system, playing behind Wade, playing yeah I don't know maybe maybe it's a situation where he Miami just wasn't great for him and he needs to kind of get out of that and being with Brad Stevens and being in a situation with Boston with with maybe some stronger uh, teammates like Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas to kind of get him more in line and not be on Miami Beach maybe that'll kind of help focus him a little bit so I, I, I hold out hope that he can get back to being a decent three-point shooter, but I don't know. There's, there's, there's no nothing more than hope, I guess, behind me. I'm trying to look at his numbers. Where after every, after every good season, he's at a down season. So, like he shot 39%, then he shot 31%, then he shot 40%, then he shot 35%, and then he went down to 32. Maybe he's due for a, ba- a bump back up to like 36 or 37. So if he can go out there and be a 37% three-point shooter, I'll take it. Yeah, that, that'd be huge for as As we said, Celtics need shooters. They, they need it from everywhere. That's, that's why they missed Bradley so much when he was hurt. And they, they need another one. So Gerald Green, if he can shoot, he'll find a role. He needs to earn his minutes, though, because there are other guys, young guys with futures, who are also competing for that spot. I'm I'm really interested to see what he'll give them. I'm interested to see how Stevens uses him. I'm interested to to see whether that Stevens magic can can run it. <laughs> uh, if, you know, if Gerald Green wins Player of the Week, I think Brad Stevens should just get inducted into the Hall of Fame <laughs> right on the spot. Yeah, just, as soon as it's announced, put a podium there. Bring out Ahmad Rashad. Have him introduce him. <laughs> Bring some Celtics lady. Like Havlicek is uh, welcoming me into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. Bring a limo straight to the garden and just whisk, whisk Stevens away straight to Springfield. Absolutely. I wouldn't even do that. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even waste the time of going to Springfield. Just set up a backdrop. Let's just do it at the garden that night. Just get it over with. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Stevens, Hall of Famer, if he can get Cheryl Green, the player of the week. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Uh, look, the the – possibilities for Gerald Green are wide. He could be cut. He could be cut and he could also be an important guy off the bench. There are, that, the, 
that the variance for a lot of those bench guys on the perimeter are pretty wide. I think. Right, R.J. Like, Hunter, like Rozier. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a lot of minutes and plays well. But if he loses his role, I wouldn't be shocked either. I, I think they need ball handling, so I I would really expect him to to play a decent amount of minutes. But if it goes the other way, I wouldn't be stunned. Marcus Smart, he'll obviously play a role. There 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 will be no surprise there. But Jalen Brown, what the heck are you going to get from him? Yeah, what right. is he going to give you? Well, I don't know if he's going to get any minutes at two. That would be that would be amazing. But yeah, but he could play three. He he might be able to play four. Who knows? And so there there are a lot of guys. And Gerald Green, same thing. Like, and then R.J. Hunter. Like, it's not out of the question for for him to get minutes. So. We'll see what how it all unfolds, but there are a lot of yep. high variance guys there. A lot of high variance guys on the <laughs> yep. bench. Yep, it's it's really kind of all over the place, and, and you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll start to find out because St- Stevens has some figuring out to do. Yeah, yeah, but uh, we'll start to find that out, and then we'll talk about Jalen tomorrow when we cover the forwards. But uh, for now, that's been our discussion on the shooting guards. Uh, it's basically Avery Bradley and a whole bunch of shrug emojis because we don't know <laughs> what's going to happen so for a while. So many shrug emojis. This is the second show in a row where I've mentioned the shrug emojis. So that is it for, for us. Hey, be sure to visit our friends at FanRag Sports. Uh, and they break the whole site down to uh, the specific sports out there. So they have today's fast break. You check out today's fast break. It's all your NBA news broken up by teams, and you'll find the podcast on there as well. But by by all means, please check out Fan Rag Sports and check out the whole uh, Locked On NBA Network specific teams, the Locked On NBA Show, Locked On Fantasy. It's all there. And uh, a reminder: if you are looking for tickets, you can go to the SeatGeek app. If you download the SeatGeek app. And in the settings, enter the code LOCELTICS. You'll get a $20 rebate off your first ticket purchase. So that's that. We'll talk about the forwards tomorrow on the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.